With this heart open wide With this heart open wide From the depths, from the heights I will bring a sacrifice With these hands lifted high Hear my song, hear my cry I will bring a sacrifice I will bring a sacrifice
give him an offering this morning. Y'all may be seated. 
has spoken I am forgiven the King of Kings calls me his own beautiful Savior I'm yours forever Jesus Christ my to breathe then out of silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body Begin to breathe the silence, the roaring lion declares the grave as no claim on Sing it out to oh Jesus, yours is the victory. 
God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He truly is our living hope. I often wonder what it was like to spend that last week with Jesus, especially the night before he died. As the disciples gathered with him in the upper room and they were having a meal together, and Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he shared with them, this is my body that is broken for you. And at that moment, they still didn't completely understand exactly what Jesus was talking about. They really didn't know what was yet to come. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that is poured out for you, the new covenant. And he passed it around. And if you could picture yourself being there that night, not completely understanding, but what a special time that must have been with Christ as he was teaching them sharing with them that here's what must happen for me to be your living hope. Today, as we come to this time of communion, we need to take some time and reflect on what Christ has done for us. Later, Paul, talking about taking communion, says to use this time to reflect, to examine yourselves, and to remember what Christ has done until his coming. And I pray that's what each one of us does today in this place. We take some time. Remember the body that was broken for us and the blood that was shed for us so that through him we may truly have life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for this time of remembrance, this time of reflection. God, we thank you for your son who freely gave up his life for hours. We thank you for that body that was broken, the blood that was shed, so that we could be in a right relationship with you. Thank you for that love that you so loved us that even while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. God, help us this morning just to take some time to reflect on that. God, help us to examine our lives today as we remember what Christ did on the cross. The penalty that was ours that he took upon himself. God, help us to not forget and not to take lightly the payment that was made. God, we love you today and we thank you for your love for us. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. As you take the bread and hold it in your hands today, just take a moment to reflect on his body that was broken for you and for me. And as Jesus passed it around, he said, take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And as he passed around the cup again, he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me.
as we reflect on Christ's love. We're going to continue to worship um, as we do. Just want to ask you at the end of the service, if you would, just please take your cups and there'll be a trash can in the back that you can put those in. But let's stand together as we continue to worship this morning. crowned with glory now the Savior knelt to wash our feet now at his feet we bow the one who bore our sin and shame now the radiance of perfect love now shines for all to see. The resurrected King 
So if you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in John chapter 19. We're going to look at a verse or two there, and then we're going to look in Hebrews, so um, Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, John 19, Hebrews 10, and while you're turning there, I have a confession to make. Uh, That confession is this, I don't always complete projects. There, I said it, fine, I did, I said it, I don't always complete projects. I do complete some projects. Sometimes I'm, I, I'm lucky I just start a project and I get it all the way through to completion and it feels really, really cool, but it's really rare that I can say, hey, that's finished. It's done. Um, and you can talk to my wife and she's got a list at home. I don't know where it's at, but she reminds me about every six months of the, some of the projects that I've not completed yet. Um, and, and I know how it makes me feel whenever I don't complete projects, and I blame it on the ADD. Um, you know, I just, I can do a lot of things. I, I can multitask, but I rarely get things done through completion, and, and it makes me feel like a, a failure sometimes. It makes me feel a little discouraged. It makes me frustrated with myself. I'm like, why can't I just complete this? And as I consider that in, in, in the physical realm, I take that over to the spiritual realm, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, you know, what if it were up to me to do the work of being made right with God? Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble because I've already determined uh, that I'm not good at completing things. And and maybe you you can identify, how many of you have ever did a New Year's resolution? You said, hey, this year is going to be different. This year I'm going to read through my Bible. And yet hung up in Leviticus. How many of you said, I'm going to start going to church. I need to get plugged in. We're going to go to church, and and this is just going to be different. I'm just going to focus on the spiritual aspect of my life. And something comes up, you get out of the habit, and before you know it, you're not in church anymore or... Maybe you're going to get rid of that habit. You're going to finally forgive that person. Whatever it is, everybody has uh, these great intentions, but I think that Scripture demonstrates that none of us are perfect. All of us fall short of the standard of God, and, and so I think it's safe to say that if it were up to us to be responsible for our salvation, we would be in a lot of trouble. Now, we have a part in that, but if it were up to us to do all these works and all these things to, to gain that, we would be in a heap of trouble. Agreed? So when it comes to this, this idea of finishing things, when we observe communion, it always takes me back to the reason we do that is to remember the great sacrifice that Christ made for us. And I'm so grateful for that. But I always see Jesus on the cross. And when I see Jesus on the cross, I try to put myself in the story. I don't try to read it as a 2,000-year-old story. I try to read it as though I am there and I, I'm seeing Jesus crucified. And um, at the end of his life, there are seven things he said from the cross as he was being crucified. And the very last thing um, that he says in the Gospel of John is this one word in the Greek, tetelestai. It takes three words in the English language to translate it. But he says, it is finished. Those are some powerful words. In fact, I think they should probably be considered as some of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. Why? Because Jesus finished his duty, his work, the will of his Father. He came with a purpose, and he completed that purpose. And when he said it is finished, it wasn't he was saying, I'm giving up. The beating was too bad, and I'm giving in to this. He was saying it as a cry of victory. It is finished to Telestai. 
And that's a term that is used a lot of time in biblical, in biblical times that was used for completing of projects. So if a, a servant was given a task by the, uh, the master, he would go do the task. And when he got through with the task, he would come back to the master and he'd say to Telestine, he was just saying, I completed what you sent me to do. I did it. I finished the task. It's also a term that's used in the financial realm. Um, when someone took out a note, a loan, they would put a down payment, and they would start paying payments back on that loan, and they would pay it off. And when, when they paid that last payment, you know, when we go to the bank and we pay off a note, they stamp it, boom, and it says paid in full. They would stamp it, or however they did it back then, to, to tell us that, which meant the same thing, paid in full. It is finished. The responsibility, that debt has been paid. Do you realize when we remember what Jesus did for us, when we consider him on the cross, listening to those words, it is finished, how powerful that statement is for you and for me. Because what that means is it truly is finished. Everything that was necessary for you and I to be made right with God was done on the cross. Some of you need to hear that a second time. Everything that was necessary for you and I to be put into a right relationship with God the Father was done on the cross. To tell us that it is finished. Amen? So, Jesus on the cross, it says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and they held it up to his lips. It says, when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Arthur Pink says, it is finished of this verse, he says, this was not the despairing cry of a helpless martyr. It was not an expression of satisfaction that the termination of his sufferings was now reached. It was not the last gasp of a worn out life. No, rather was it the declaration on the part of the divine redeemer that all for which he came from heaven to earth to do was now done. That all that was needed to reveal the full character of God had now been accomplished. That all that was required by law before sinners could be saved and um, had now been performed. That the full price of our redemption was now paid. It is finished. Do you believe it? Or are you endeavoring to add something to your own to it and thus merit the favor of God is what he says. It is finished. Someone else has said that uh, the resurrection of Jesus, we just sang about that. The resurrection of Jesus was God the Father's amen to Jesus' statement, declaration, it is finished. I love that. Do you believe, church, this morning that it is finished? Well, it is finished means that the work has been completed, and, and, and we need to understand that today in Christ the work has been completed. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, um, and I'm, I'm going to jump around a little bit, I'm sure, but Hebrews chapter 10 um, the writer of Hebrews talks about how Christ is supreme over all things. He, he's supreme over the angels. He's over Moses. He's over the law. He is just over all things. Christ is supreme. And, and, and I just took a, a little bit yesterday and read through the whole uh, letter, and I would encourage you to do that because it's so rich of encouragement. If you want to get a good picture on who Christ is and how much greater he is, just read uh, the book of Hebrews, and in that, the writer talks about this contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In chapter 10, verse 11, I just want to read those few verses, and then I'll, I'll back it up with some other stuff in a moment. It says, under the Old Covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day. 
offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin. So let's read this again. I need you to repeat a couple words for me. Under the old covenant, the priest stands, say stands. So he, and he ministers before the altar day after day. Let's go ahead and say that, day after day, offering the same sacrifice. Let's say that, same sacrifice again and again, again and again. You get, you get to do it, really? Which can never, which can never take away sin. See, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, God set a pattern. It was a shadow, foreshadowing that which was going to come later that was far greater than the shadow. And in the Old Testament, God made provision for the children of Israel when they sin to be cleansed, if you will, to have that sin forgiven. But it was temporary. It only lasted uh, momentarily, and they were back at it again tomorrow. And so the priest never finished his work. Day after day, he stood Why was he standing? Because the work was not finished. Every day, day after day after day, they were were offering these same sacrifices again and again and again. It is futile. The work was never done. You go back to um, chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifice for their sins. So the high priest is like a mediator between God and man. That was his role. And in chapter 7, verse 27, it says, unlike those other priests, he, talking about Christ, that is the great priest, or the great high priest, he says, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins. So they were human. They sinned. And when they went into the tabernacle to offer sacrifice for the sins of the people, they had to start with themselves. And so they would offer a sacrifice for their own sins but it says of Jesus that he didn't have to do that. Chapter 10, verse 1, it says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. So the priest stood day after day offering the same sacrifices again and again, which could never take away sins. It was futile. It it says, says let me find it here, it says, for for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And yet, in the shedding of blood, with all these animal sacrifices, day after day after day, year after year after year, chapter 10, verse 4 says, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But see, all this was the old covenant. All this was the old promise, and it was there to point towards a better reality that would come in Christ. And so when they offered these sacrifices, it should have been making them long for the perfect sacrifice that would one day be offered that would take away the sins of the world. It should cause them to look forward to the day when uh, the the sacrifice was satisfied, that the, the sin payment of their debt was now paid in full. And that's the old priests of the old covenant. In verse 12 of chapter 10, it says, but our high priest, say our, because we're talking about Jesus, right? You place your faith in Jesus. He is our great high priest. Just look back through the scriptures. It talks about a perfect high priest. He's greater than the other priests because they would die. It would keep them from continuing on in their ministry and their priesthood. But Jesus, he's eternal. He has no beginning, no end. He's the great, perfect high priest, our high priest. Listen to what he did. Offered himself to God as a single, say single, sacrifice for our sins. 
good for all time. Say all time. So our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all times. And then he did something radical instead of standing every day, day after day, year after year. It says our high priest sat down. Why do you sit down? You sit down because the work's finished, amen? Now for me, I don't always sit down. I'm a busybody because I got way too many irons in the fire. But occasionally, once in a, a blue moon, when one of those jobs is done, I like to sit down and admire that work and go, to tell us that it is finished. Feels good, right? But then I look at that list and I'm discouraged all over again because <laughs> I've already demonstrated that I can't finish it. But our high priest, our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Jesus' purpose John chapter 4, he speaks of work. He speaks of the will of the Father all throughout the scriptures. But he says, um, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. I mean, I've got, I'm, on, I'm on mission. Uh, I've got a purpose. And my desire is to finish my Father's work. John 5, 36 says, the Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they proved that he sent me. John 17, 4 says, I brought glory to you. As he's praying to his father, I brought glory to you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. What was that work? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, John 3, 17. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19, 10. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, Luke 5, 32. I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. John 10, 17 through 18. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What was the work of Jesus? The work of Jesus was to come to the earth and die on a cross. To satisfy that huge debt that was owed against all humanity, that sin debt. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, but he says the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin, and so we've got a problem. We need a new deal. We need a new covenant. Praise God for the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's exactly what happened. Jesus is the great, perfect high priest comes in. He says, um, you, you, you've, let, let me just read it. It says, you do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you've given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or, or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. You've given me a body, and the body that you've given me is sufficient to pay for the sins of the world. And so here I'm ready to do your work. Came to the earth, lived a perfect life, took all of the sins, say all, all of the sins of all humanity, and they were nailed on the cross with him. And when he was about to give up his, his spirit, the last words that he would declare as a victory, a battle cry for victory is to tell us that it is finished, paid in full. Your sin, my sin, dealt with back there a long time ago. Hallelujah. So the word to tell us that also in the Greek, it's in the, it's in the perfect tense. Not in the past tense, as in something that happened a long time ago and it impacted a few people back then, but being in the perfect tense, it's done something that was done a long time ago that has a ripple effect into all eternity. 
So it was finished back then, it is finished today, and it will continue to be finished throughout all eternity. Do you hear me screaming today that Jesus is enough? It is finished. He put an end to to sin. He, He freed us from sin. He paid the penalty that was owed against us on the cross. And when he said it is finished, church, I don't know about you, but that should be a huge encouragement to you and to me to know that if we've placed our faith in Christ today, we stand before him forgiven. I don't feel forgiven all the time. We stand before him justified, just as if we never did anything wrong. I don't always feel justified. I sin regularly. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he did what we could not do. And I am so grateful for that. It says he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. He sat down because the work was finished. Nothing else needs to be done. Nothing needs to be added. I remember in my old life growing up, and I don't want to. I don't want to put this on the church, but I don't, I don't want to say they taught it from the pulpit. But it was kind of caught. And what was caught was I didn't have an assurance in my salvation. I was questioning it every day. I mean, I lusted today. Am I going to hell again? I cussed today. Am I going to hell again? And there was just this uncertainty of where I stood with God and. I remember talking to a good friend of mine one time about that, and he said, Shane, if you, if you believe that every time you sin, you've got to get saved over again, it's like you're saying that that one sacrifice of Christ was not enough. And I began to tear up thinking I would not want him to have to come back and do that again. It's finished. He sat down because the work was complete. Verse 14, it says, For by that one offering. You remember when John saw Jesus walking up to get baptized at the River Jordan. What did John say? Look at him. Behold, the Lamb of God that doesn't cover the sins of the world but takes away the sins of the world. By that one offering, he forever, say forever, made perfect. Do you feel perfect today? I don't. In fact, I know some of you, and I know you're not either, so let's just kind of cut to the chase. We're not perfect. and, and But it says that one offering, he forever made perfect. That word in the Greek is teleo. And and teleo is um, teleo, which is um, the verb form of tetelestai. All of it simply means complete, done, finished. To bring to its goal, to make complete without defect or blemish. That's what scripture says of those who place faith in Christ, but that one offering of Jesus forever made complete, brought them to a goal to without defect or blemish. He made perfect those who are being made holy, hagiazo, those who are being sanctified, set apart. You're a peculiar people. Devotion and moral purity and distinction, those of us that are dedicated that way, he says, for that one offering, for by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Church, are you encouraged today? Now, as I consider communion, and, and one of my greatest concerns over the years was, you know, how many times do you do it? And I always wondered if you did it regularly, would it lose its significance? Would it become just secondhand? You know, we just do it out of, of rote, it's habitual. And I don't want that because this is a special, uh, special time uh, to remember just what Jesus did for us. 
But as we do that, I'm reflecting always back to the cross when he said, it is finished. And I have to take, as I said, put myself at the foot of the cross and see me in the picture because it's easy to, to just see that as them and, and they and a long time ago. And I have to just see me as with this huge sin debt. I sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so I see myself there. I've got no excuse. There's nothing on my best day that I could do to put me in a right relationship with God the Father. And so I am just doomed at the foot of Jesus. And I see Jesus looking from the cross at me and on my behalf saying, Shane, I took care of that. This, this blood that I'm spilling is for you. This body that's broken is, is for you. By my stripes, you're going to be healed, forever made right with God the Father. To tell us that it is finished. I don't know how you can walk away from those few verses and not be encouraged today. I believe that because Jesus completed all that work, it should give us an assurance like crazy in our lives. Amen? An assurance because, and not, not anything that we've done, the Bible says it is by grace you've been saved. It's a gift of God, gift. You have to receive a gift. That's our part. So let me just cut to that. Shane, what's our job? What do we do? So, so some people are working. They're working hard. Jesus did his part, but man, I got I to gotta do my part too. It's like a partnership. Scripture makes it clear that there's nothing we can add to it or take away from it. Christ is sufficient, and what he did on the cross was enough. The telestai is finished, paid in full. So what do I need to do? What is my work? John chapter 6, verse 29. After Jesus had done some miracles, they said, man, we want to do the same things. I mean, teach us how to do these works. And he said, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. For God so loved the world, as David said, that he gave the greatest gift of his son, Jesus. And the work for you and I is to believe, bestevo, to trust in, to put our trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To trust that he paid it all. He paid your debt, my debt. I can stand before him as justified as a child of God. I can boldly go before the throne of grace. I don't know about you, but that's pretty encouraging today, isn't it? His completed mission is of no profit or benefit to you if you've not recognized your own sin and acknowledged your brokenness and need for a Savior. His completed mission is no profit to you if you have not by faith entrusted your life into his care. He did everything that was needed to secure your salvation. Now it's up to you to respond to his marvelous gift. So how will you respond? Will you trust him with your life? He already demonstrated his love for us that while we were in our sins, he died for us. Will you surrender your life to him? Will you live for him? So I would just say it this way as I close, that if you're here today and you've not placed your trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything's been completed, everything's been done, it's finished, it's been paid in full. We simply appropriate what was done then to us today by faith. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were buried and after three days you were raised again to life. And I put my hope and my trust in you. The most important decision we'll ever make in our lives. And if you've not made that decision today, I, I, I plead with you, trust in Jesus. Don't trust in your own works. It'll never be enough. Don't trust in religion. Don't ride mom and dad's coattails. It doesn't work that way. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
respond to him in faith, trust him for salvation. It is finished in Christ. Or for a believer who maybe you're discouraged today, maybe you're beat down by life and you're just going through the motions, hopefully we can see all of this from a fresh perspective today and maybe you put your feet in the story like I did at the foot of the Savior that looks you in the eyes and says, hey, done everything. It's finished. And to give you the encouragement and the assurance that if you place your faith, your trust in Jesus, everything has been done for you to be in a right relationship with the Father. And that should encourage each one of us. Amen? And I would say this lastly. You know, we go through droughts and we pray for a revival. And I always say, God, do a revival and start it in my shoes first. I think that when we observe communion, it's a great opportunity for us to remember. And I think that's a very important key when it comes to revival. It's just to go back to the basics and look at Jesus and what he did for us. In fact, I met with a band before worship and I said, hey, I want you just to have this perspective as y'all are leading today. And just, you're not singing to a crowd of people. You're not looking at music stands. I want you to sing with a heart that realizes the gravity of what has been done for you and for me. And he's worthy of our praise and our worship. Amen. So let that be a beginning step for you as you remember what he's done for you. And simply say, God, you've done so much for me. You've done so much for me. Help me to live for you, to live a life, Ephesians 4.1, worthy of the calling that we've been called to. Amen. How does the Lord want you to respond today? I encourage you. We're going to pray and dismiss. And after we dismiss, I want to extend an invitation to you. If you want to come forward for prayer, I would love to be able to visit with you and pray with you. Or maybe you just need to be encouraged today and just know, hey, listen. When you hear Tetelestai, know it is finished, it is paid in full. That's a pretty good standing in Christ. That's a solid foundation on Christ, the solid rock I stand, right? Or maybe today is a day for you to say, you know what? I I need to just kind of turn things around, soften my heart to the word of God and look with a fresh set of eyes at what he's done for me and live a life worthy of what he's done for me. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the new covenant confirmed with your blood as we observed earlier in communion. I thank you for the reminder that you said as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. That It is supposed to draw our attention and our hearts toward the great sacrifice that you made so that we could be in a right relationship with God the Father through your sacrifice. Thank you that you are the great, perfect high priest that no longer stands, but the work was complete and you sat down at the right hand of the Father. And by that one sacrifice, you have forever, forever, not until the day I don't feel like it's there anymore, not until the day that I mess up, but by that one sacrifice forever, you've made perfect those who are being made holy. Father, to you be all the glory and all the honor. God, we love you, and we thank you for what you've done. We ask that you would just help us to live our lives as followers of Christ in a way that would honor, please, and even point other people towards you. I humbly ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.